superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this, this is the Rich Eisen Show. Let's go! Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I got to imagine, when a guy like Delvin Cook gets released, who are you hearing from right now around the league? Man, it's crazy, man. You want to get? You want to tell me who? You want to let me know where, where you're leaning right now, Del? <laughs> the Rich Eisen Show with guest host Tom Pelissero. Today's guests, Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski. Chargers head coach Brandon Staley. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Tom Pelissero. You know we're really getting to the NFL's summer break when Bill Belichick cancels the last day of minicamp. <laughs> Even Bill's going, it's enough. Uh, we got it. We got it. We are ready to roll. Need to get to Nantucket. <laughs> into the offseason. Tom Pelissero. Mikey needs a pet. In for Rich Eisen, who, based upon his Instagram stories, was listening to the show from Israel. So that's good. Hi, Rich. If you're tuning in today, we appreciate you checking in on us. I appreciate enough, you enough fellas being here all week with me, too. I had nowhere else to be, so... Enough, <laughs> yeah. Rich, enough with the stories. We get it. You're on a camel. Cool. I mean, if I were on a camel, I'd probably post it. Absolutely, you would. Nothing it's hump day, too. more than Rich having fun. Rich is like he's being hump day camel. He's a... <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Well, we're at work. We can go home now. Oh, that's Mike Del Tufo. Your, your job's I'm done. You're just into the show. Don't even say anything. Go else. home now. Just night, Mike. Yeah. Mike. Yeah. Mike. I'm out of here. See ya. Chris Brockman's here. TJ Jefferson hey. is up, here. We've successfully not talked hockey on the show over the past two days. Let's give an acknowledgement here. To the Vegas Golden Knights. No doubt, no doubt. I'm just, you know, Stanley Cup champions yep. scored nine goals last night in they a... Did? That was a butt whooping. Yeah, there were a couple of empty netters toward the end there. Oh, I saw when it was six to one. I was like, sheesh. Yeah, it was uh, it, w- it was not the most competitive game. It was two to one at one point. So it was hey. not, you know... I mean, it was scoreless. Well, from the start. I'm just... At one point. <laughs> for me, I'm just happy for the long-suffering Golden Knights fans. Yeah. Six long years. Half a decade of suffering. They were an expansion team in 2017. Uh, One of our our news desk people at NFL Network, who's from Vegas, was, you know, talking to me about, you know, watching the game. He goes, I I never even watched hockey before six years ago. From Vegas. But now, yeah, there's there's a few of those. Clayton Holloway does a great job. Didn't know those people Uh, existed. But how many of the the Knights fans, not just they weren't fans of the team six years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. How many had never watched a second of hockey? <laughs> Probably a great deal of them. And now you got a, a parade going down the strip. I mean, that's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, could you I imagine mean, what, like, the game was over. It wasn't even 9 o'clock last oh. night. So I can't imagine what went down in Vegas. I think Aaron Gordon. saying hockey, let's do that hockey. I think Aaron Gordon was there, still shirtless. I was going to say, he walked from Vegas to Vegas from Denver. Is it possible for a hockey player (laughs) to do the Aaron Gordon? If you just took off your shirt and then just on skates, well, you that, put on the blade, the, what are they called? The blade protector things? That would, yeah. that would be yep. uncomfortable. And then just you're kind of awkwardly waddling down the street in that, cheering. That would be incredible. If you're a Buffalo Sabres fan right now, oh, you're in. Uh, uh, don't get you're, you're a Maple Leafs fan. There. Sorry, Mike Hoskins. How, how, are you, how are you feeling? Not good. About this. Like, I think that on some level, right, unless unless you're a fan of the Florida Panthers, I assume that they have some, uh, 
I, I usually you can feel good on some level for someone involved, namely the fan base. I, I don't know that anybody's sitting there feeling really great about Vegas winning a, a Stanley Cup. How long? The Minnesota Wild never won one. You know, yeah, it's been a long time. The North, since the North Stars were in the, North the Stars. since Mike, the Stanley Cup uh, finals against the Penguins, oh circa what was that ninety one, ninety two, somewhere in there. Mighty Ducks it, years. You got all these, you know, the true. Hockey markets that take nothing away from them. I mean, to go from an expansion team to go to the Stanley Cup twice and win it in the first six years, it's impressive. Think about that, what you just said, though, Tom. Six years. Can you imagine an NFL expansion team, maybe one of ours, maybe the Del Tufo D's nuts or the Brockman? Who won that poll, by the way, Brockman? Oh, yeah, uh, yesterday. We did the expansion draft yesterday. Draft any four players. Great run. Uh, From within the league to start your team with at their current age, current salary. We did a Twitter poll. How'd that come out? (laughs) Yeah, so just a quick recap. Uh, My team was Patrick Mahomes, Laramie Tunsil, A.J. Brown, and Patrick Sertan. Del Tufo, uh, Micah Parsons, (laughs) Jimmy G, Saquon Barkley, who's got a contract offer apparently, Tom, and Travis Kelsey. Uh, TJ with Joe Burrow, Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, and South Gardner. And then Tom went... uh, Josh Allen, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Anthony Richardson. Just going to try to outscore everyone. <laughs> uh, throw it up on Twitter. TJ wins. Teacher. Best team, uh, 47%. Wow. 47%. percent hey. yeah, I do. Very well balanced. No offense, though. I don't know. Is, That's what I do. Is Miles Garrett playing running back also? Hey, you guys couldn't? Uh, no, I'm not going to tell him <laughs> that. That would be a scary uh, 27% for me, 21%. Tom and his two quarterback system, which means he has zero. And then Del Tufo, who who did you pay? What fifteen people did you pay for your five percent? <laughs> so really, By the way, I won the most fun poll because my yeah. team is definitely going to so, have. So I dominated, which is was the whole goal. I yes. dominated that poll, is what you're saying? Then. Yeah. Well, Jimmy G and Kelsey, <laughs> I think people I think have poll. the most fun. Del Tufo had specific reasons for drafting that team. <laughs> but getting back exactly. to what, what, what I was bringing up, could you imagine an NFL expansion team six years in going to multiple? Oh, Super Bowls crazy. and then winning, like what they've done. It, it's I mean, the Panthers incredible. and the Jaguars in the mid '90s both had pretty deep they playoff runs in the first couple of years, yeah, but, but not Super Bowl winners, no. not rising to the top. Well, the Florida Marlins—they were an expansion team in 1993 and mm-hmm. then won the World Series in '97, and then okay. dismantled their team and won again in 2003. So they won, and then dismantled again. They won two World Series in ten years. As an expansion team. No, I, I get that. I'm just saying I, an NFL squad, though. Like, I, it, it would be hard for me to really fathom that they could, someone could put together a team that could go to multiple Super Bowls and then win in such a dominating fashion. I mean, you would need, if you're an expansion team, you would need to have the number one overall pick. You would need to not do what the Texans did to David Carr and let him right. get sacked 84 times or whatever just it was in his rookie season man. and ruin his entire career. Um, but you would have to you would have to hit on it. You would have to have a Patrick Mahomes level draft pick mm-hmm. and then hit on a lot of the stuff through the expansion draft and somehow build a line. I mean, the, the entire concept of that, I mean, it's been since the Texans, I believe, were 0-2, that they were an expansion team. So it's been a long time since we even had to, like, think about this. But from a roster-building perspective... Even with where the salary cap is right now, it, yeah, it'd be a, a massive challenge. Mm-hmm. I think in hockey, hockey's probably number two. If you're talking the big four sports and the impact of coaching, the NFL's clearly number one. We got a couple of really good ones coming on the show later today, Brandon, uh, Brandon Staley and Kevin Stefanski. I put hockey number two. I don't know. Baseball, there's no impact to the manager. Or I should say minimal impact to the manager. Maybe 10 games a year, something like that, right? I mean, but it's it's stuff that you and I could do. Hey, like, yeah, he picked, he put the wrong pitcher in. Okay, you maybe take that guy out. Guess <laughs> lefty or righty? Should you intentionally walk that guy? Calling for a steal or a butt? Like we could do that. Hey, we're I could, it's the eighth became, inning. Let's hit and run here. If I became a major league manager today, uh-huh. and I haven't played base, I played you know high school baseball and I played you know town team ball after during and after college. So, but I haven't like paid attention or really like gotten into it in twenty years. I could like read a book 
on how to manage a baseball team. Baseball managing for dummies. And I guarantee you, I could at minimum be, you know, to use like the baseball term, if you're evaluating players like the war, right? The mm-hmm. wins above replacement. I could at minimum be a plus three war Ooh. Major League <laughs> Baseball manager. What, what do you have to do? I can't wait to wow. read the Twitter responses to that. You, 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 fill out, you fill out the lineup card. It's all the computers that tell you what to do anyway. The general manager goes, this is what we're going to do. You go, okay. There's no rah-rah speeches. There's virtually no strategy. Everything is based upon analytics. Like, what is the what does the manager do? And God love, you know, the Buck Showalters of the world who can do this for 40 years. And, okay, you're the calming presence. You handle the media. I got that covered. Okay. I know how the media works. Your media is I'm a fun-loving guy. That's true. People will like me. Great but yeah, hair. Like, Great hair. Hey, what's... What, all right, what, what should we do here? Well, what, is it, what does the computer say? What's the card say? says, put in the lefty. Okay, I'll well, put in the lefty. Like, it's isn't hard. <laughs> Baseball's clearly, of the big four sports, at the bottom. I think basketball is probably just above. There are definitely really good coaches in the league. There's, you know, there's the Steve Kerrs and the Eric Spolsters of the world. But it, it's a player-driven league. If you've got good players, it's hard to mess it up as a basketball coach. Hockey, there I, is strategy. I'm going to uh, push back on you that You disagree? Yeah. How, how? All right. How much can a basketball coach, an NBA coach, impact? If you've got not making adjustments, uh, keep, keeping players in too long when they clearly should be sitting on the bench, like. But a great coach, Greg Popovich, lost like sixty games last year or two years ago, whatever yeah, he that had was. No players though. Exactly. That's my point. If you don't have players, you can't coach them into being better. Hockey, you actually can. Like, there's coaches who, at every level. Like, I always point to, to John Cooper, the Lightning coach, who's won a couple of Stanley Cups now. And I covered him back in his uh, USHL days. Ooh. He's won literally at every level from, you know, like the AAA midget hockey or whatever they call it. They probably don't call it that anymore. <laughs> NAHL, USHL, and NHL. He won at every single level. Like, how does that happen? Well, it happens because you're just you're coaching above the level of everybody else. You have a culture, you have a system, you do make the adjustments. I put that number two. I think NFL is by far number one. I'd probably put, you know, NHL at, at number two. Can anyone in this room name the Vegas Golden Knights coach? Bruce Cassidy used to be the Bruins coach. Butch Cassidy? Bruce Cassidy. <laughs> Bruce Cassidy. Is it Sundance? <laughs> All right, that was impressive, Brockman. I didn't think you had that one in you. Uh, I had to make up for Jim Caldwell, Jim Schwartz yesterday. That was a, I mean, I knew that because I good. watched the game yesterday, so I, I knew that, but. So again, he uh, just used to be the Bruins, uh, Bruins manager. Mark Bruins Stone hat trick yeah. last night. Let's hear what Mark Stone had to say uh, after they clinched the Stanley Cup. I can't even describe the feelings in my in my stomach right now. It's everything you can imagine. Uh, the grind of an 82 game season, four playoff rounds. You grind and you grind and you grind, and at the end of the day, the last team standing. It's, it's incredible. I feel. I love the energy there from Mark. I feel like that was that was missing something. Can we can we play that? Can we play that one more time? Just, uh, just. I can't even describe the feelings in my in my stomach right now. It's everything you can imagine. Uh, the grind of an 82 game season, four playoff rounds. You grind and you grind and you grind, and at the end of the day, the last team standing. It's, it's incredible. You can go home now. There it is. <laughs> Thank you. Jokic for that. It I don't even, every quote it's better. Great, it's great. I don't even need to every look quote. it up. I know that Mark Stone is Canadian. <laughs> just hear it in his voice. Yes, he totally has it. That's good. The nationality of the player and the head coach's name. You're the you're the, now the resident hockey expert on this show. Who the hey. hell is Tim Horton? Do that hockey. <laughs> All right. Mark Stone is Winnipeg's finest. This, this has been our sort of hockey segment for well, the know, week. Tom, another thing is, even if you're not big on hockey, right? To me, the the presentation of the Stanley Cup yeah. is the greatest celebration in sports. Like, I, agree I, with that. I will always try to watch that, whether I've watched the game. If I don't watch the, the clinching game, I'll go on YouTube. But there's just something so amazing about these guys getting the best trophy in sport and just skating around each member of the team from the captain to the it seems like the team accountant gets to like hold that trophy up. And it's just, you know, I, like I said, I, early in my life, I got to watch the, the Pittsburgh Penguins do it. And that was when it really started to captivate me, seeing Lemieux and Yager and those guys. But like that, that moment, just NBA, 
Major League Baseball, call it nothing to me personally, can compare to that Stanley Cup and getting that. And those those guys just skating around hoisting that 37-pound, like, just the most beautiful trophy. It's the biggest sports. trophy. It's And there's it, only one. There's only you one. You know, there's 50-odd Lombardi trophies out there. Mm-hmm. There's all these World Series. You got the one cup. You got the one cup. You know what I always wonder? Because everybody gets their, their day with the Stanley Cup. And, you know, you saw last night, I think it was Mark Stone had his baby. One of, one of the players on the on the Knights had the, their baby, like, in the cup. And you know that there's been hundreds of other babies in that cup. And there have been probably thousands of people have been like, we're going to drink out of the cup. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I'd feel comfortable at this point drinking out of the Stanley Cup. Well, I'm sure it gets sanitized. Everybody's doing different stuff to it. Like, <laughs> it would remind me of... You know, like back in, 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 you know, like in my college days where you'd have like, you know, we had, the, you know, the kegerator in the oh, apartment. Yeah, kegerator. And you know, those like tubes that have probably been in there for 10 years through <laughs> yeah. 10 different people who live in that same washed. apartment are just nasty. And there's like stuff coming with the beer out of the keg. <laughs> it's already bad enough. It's some light beer. that was a $59 keg on special because it's expired. And you're just like, hey, who cares? We're playing Beirut tonight. But, like, that's what I imagine it's like. It's got to be, I, I understand, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful trophy, but it's got to be slightly gross. There's I no mean, way it's not. you got to think of just the thousands of miles that things traveled. I know, speaking of the pens, I know that that thing ended up in the bottom of Mario Lemieux's pool once. I mean, you can imagine the amount of food and liquid that have been eaten out of that thing. I feel thing. like chlorine would be bad for, <laughs> bad for an all-metal trophy. <laughs> but yeah, it's in silver? Yeah, the silver so, shallows. Uh, Phil Pritchard is the keeper of the cup, so that guy's probably seen some things. Like he should write. You want to talk about someone who needs to write a now, book? Now there's a job. That guy should write a book, but he probably can't even speak on some of the stuff that he's seen. So he just how, how do you transfer it around? Like it's only Phil Pritchard's just driving it across well, multiple I'm sure countries. There's a, suitcase, there's a but, massive case for it. Yeah, right. it. Maybe he drives it. Maybe they fly. But like places. you can't check it, right? Like, can you give it to the sky cap guy I think outside the airport? Just hey, this is it. Just, hey, don't worry about it. They keep putting the heavy tag on it. You, gotta, you just make sure you slip them like a twenty or a fifty, just to make sure it makes the flight. No, that thing I would think you got class. it. You have to have. You have to be able to bring it on the plane. Like you might yeah, have to get like underneath. a second seat for it. Yeah, right, that flies first class for sure. I'm sure there's there's got to be stories out there about this. Yeah, I, I would love. I've never. I don't think I've ever actually seen it. Me neither. In I have person, uh, I would yeah. love oh, I've to see it. that thing. And seen it. It's been. Um, but I know people cool. have eaten ice cream out of that and cereal again. And, you know, yeah, so you've you got one a big bowl of go back to like the, out of the Stanley yeah. Cup. Go back to like me? the you know the college dorm, college apartment thing. So imagine <laughs> if there was one bowl that everybody or one cup that everybody <laughs> ate or drank out of. For an entire year, that's the Stanley Cup. That was kind of like I had this cup in college, right? I had two roommates that were from Nebraska and like had one of these Seven Eleven cups that I loved. And I swear that cup was used for me drinking Pepsi and my roommate Mark to spit, chew spit into oh. that I have to constantly wash out. But you're 21 years old. You're 20 years old. Wait, like your immune system is fine. Just so we can have this clear, Tom. If you had the opportunity to drink a beer out of the cup, you wouldn't do it. I would I would have some serious reservations about doing that. I I, I would want I'd want to talk to Phil Pritchard and find <laughs> out the full sanitization process, what has gone into this, wow. who else has been. I mean, I won't go up for communion. I don't want to drink. I'm not drinking out of that thing. You know, I'm not much less something that's been for a hundred and however many years getting passed around and having God knows what done to it. Uh, we, <laughs> We got to we got we got to take a break. I think it's a I think it's a good time uh, here. I've putting up this Twitter poll. Yeah, Hold on a second. Kevin Stefanski coming up shortly. Brandon Staley's going to join us later on in the show. I'm going to get to the biggest storylines in my mind. They're going to play out before NFL training camp. We will do that later on in the show as well. And we got to talk a little bit more about Stefan Diggs too, because somehow, even since the show yesterday. Things seem to be getting, it's getting weirder. slightly weirder. <laughs> yeah. Phone lines open to 844-204-RICH. It's Tom Pellicero in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the -the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Have you, Colin Hanks, ever drank from the cup? I have. Oh my gosh! And it Talk was. Talk to me about it. It was. What did, what did you? May I ask what you drank from the cup? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was like a Molson Ice mm-hmm. or something. You know, some Canadian brew. I'm yes, sure it had to be Canadian. Uh, brew, right? Yeah. Um, no, it was. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, when your team finally wins the Stanley Cup, when and you- and you've spent your entire life rooting for that team. Yes. And then it happens. A, you, you you cry like you, the little kid you were when you went to your first game. Right. My wife took photos, of course. Yes. Um, luckily, they have been deleted. They have been deleted. Yes, they absolutely. never made it to um, But then when you actually here. get a moment, you know, to be able to just see the Stanley Cup in person yes. and, and, and then, you know, one of the players goes, hey, you want a drink out of it? I mean, it's it's just, it's you're, it's giddy. It's now, just childhood You're not joy. allowed to have it. You didn't, you're not allowed to tip it yourself though right that's the player the, tips it who yep. tipped it for you uh Andre Kopitar uh no well Andre did I drank from it a few times if I'm being uh. quite honest <laughs> on a few how different many occasions how yachts are you water skiing behind it, sir? no it was Dustin Penner uh was the first time Dustin Dustin Penner was, was and, the and, first and Kopitar and was then, the second and time. then Kopi did the second time yeah. yeah I mean when you're around the cup there are rules Oh, very serious rules. There are rules. rules. Very serious rules. In fact... And the only one... You can't hoist it either, right? Unless you've won it or... Correct. As as I understand it, it, you know, people say you can't hoist it over your head and shoulders unless you're a player, but that's obviously not true because, uh, you know, the equipment managers, the head coaches... Sure. A lot of them do that. So I think it's it's an organizational type uh, uh, role. You you have to have some role within that organization to be able to do it, but they're they're probably not going to let Jim from accounting do that. <laughs> Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network. I'm sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk furnished by Granger. With supplies and solutions for every industry, Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Uh, Stefan Diggs stopped by Buffalo. He is still, as far as we're aware, in Buffalo. But did not practice yesterday amidst, uh, I would fairly say, some confusion over exactly why he is not, according to Sean McDermott, currently participating in the mandatory mini camp. Uh, Diggs did get on Instagram and had some thoughts. Uh, I think we have that uh, that post. I'd just be letting people cap them lies, help you sleep better. Tell them, big dog. <laughs> And my phone been on silent for like six years. I don't play all them sounds and bleep. Uh, we need I think, a new drop from him for that. I think the one. first one is a Diggs original. I'm not sure that the second one is. Uh, People. Uh, Josh Allen also spoke uh, toward the end of the show yesterday. We didn't get a chance to play. Let's play a little bit of Josh Allen speaking about the current situation with Stefan Diggs. You know, Steph, he's my guy. I... I Excuse me, I love him. He's, he's a brother of mine. Um, you know, this does not work, what we're doing here, without him. Um, you know, we, we, we wish he was in here today and um, was out there on the field with us, and that's, that's not the case, but I've got his back no matter what. Um, and again, I, I, I've got no doubts that, that we will figure out what's going on, and um, I freaking love him. I, I can't stress that enough. You know, there's uh, things that I, I, could, I could do better, and... Um, you know, to help out with this process and uh, try to get him back here and, and, you know, be the Buffalo abilities that he's meant to be. So Stevon Diggs, barring some very bizarre twist, is going to be a bill. 
assuming that he plays in 2023, there's no reason to think he won't. We talked about this yesterday. Based upon the contract restructure back in March, $22 plus million signing bonus at that time. And the reality that with a mountain of dead cap that would hit, there's really no way the Bills would trade him even if they wanted to, or even if Diggs wants him to. The solution is he's going to be back in Buffalo. We still don't have clarity on exactly what is going on. The Bills are back on the practice field today. We shall see whether Stephon Diggs might join his teammates. Presumably, if he's away from minicamp, he would be getting fined, but it's only, I mean, only $99,000 if you miss all three days of the mandatory minicamp. And I did speak uh, yesterday with his agent, Adisa Bakari, who said, doesn't know why Sean McDermott said what he said, which was that he's very concerned about Diggs not being there. Uh, Adisa also said, you know, reiterated that, yes, he was there. He's been there since Sunday. He was in the building yesterday morning, but was not by the time McDermott spoke. And so we continue to look at this. I mean, I, I always look at these things this way, too. If you're going to rattle somebody's cages about whatever is going on, okay, if you're going to try to make some type of a point, or if you want to address issues, now is the time. This is me season in the NFL. And really is from the end of the regular season through the last week of July when teams report, players report to training camp. In that span, the only mandatory thing is the minicamp. The fines are not that high if you miss that. And once you get into training camp, everything changes because the fines are much greater. There's signing bonus that the teams can go after. You're going to, if you want to make the point, if you want to put public pressure on it, again, I'm not saying that's what Stefan Diggs is doing here because we don't, at this point, know all the details. This would be the time to do it. I mean, league-wide, uh, if, if I'm not missing somebody, there are only three players who did not show up to the mandatory minicamp. And that's County Diggs, who did show up, apparently, before he didn't. Right. You got Diggs, you got Connor Williams with the Dolphins, and you got Daniil Hunter. With Hunter... We'll see exactly how that that plays out. The Vikings have been trying to get some type of a deal done with him. It hasn't happened. They've gotten trade calls. To my knowledge, nothing is imminent on that front, though certainly there will be a market for a Daniil Hunter. But he's making a point here, which is he's on the books for $5.5 million. That's because the Vikings moved up money. They're going to have to do a new contract. Both sides know that. They don't agree on the number. So what do you do? You could show up. You can try to maneuver things through the trade process that way. I'm sure that's what the Vikings would have liked him to do. Or you stay away and, you know, cause a few shockwaves here and maybe get a few more phone calls headed to Minnesota. The Diggs one, though, I know everybody wants to make the comparison. I spoke to several people yesterday within the league who were asking me what's going on and comparing it to 2020 when he tweeted his way out of Minnesota. The difference here is, again, there's no action item. There's no way, you never say never, but there's no realistic way that Stephon Diggs is not with the Bills. So, but this does also plant that seed because there have been little signs, there have been cryptic tweets, and that's a normal Diggs thing. There was, you know, the things through the playoffs last year, there was obvious frustration. But when you got really competitive people, those things happen. What this does now set the scene for is all the focus being on Stephon Diggs as we get into training camp. As we get into the regular season, those interactions on the sideline are going to hit different now because you know that there's something bubbling below the surface, whatever it is. And now he's brought that scrutiny. So when Sean McDermott said he's very concerned. Yeah, did that kind of kickstart all of this? I th- Sean McDermott saying he was very concerned, I right. think, because that could mean anything. Right. You, you don't, is it Diggs okay? Right. Is it, can they find him? What is the deal? The more pressing concern for Sean McDermott is now Stephon Diggs becomes the driving storyline of your season. I mean, the Bills, think of everything the Bills overcame last year. They had, I believe, two games relocated. They had the DeMar Hamlin uh, frightening incident where he literally died on the field and was brought back to life. Nobody even remembers. I was at the game, so I remember. The Monday night football game in week two, they had two different players leave the field in an ambulance. Uh, they had, you know, obviously injuries, Josh Allen playing through an elbow injury for a good chunk of the season. They had the, you know, Von Miller, who was a big free agent signing, tears his ACL. They had the, obviously everything that happened at the end of the year with the game. Is it going to be rescheduled? What's going to happen? I mean, that's, that's a lot. Just think of the emotional 
wear that that puts on a team. This is supposed to, I mean, this is a big year for the Bills. This is a team that we all look at as a contender. And now, rather than the focus being on the team and the good stories of DeMar Hamlin being back on the field, which, by the way, I know we, we've talked about it plenty, but you can't talk about that enough. DeMar Hamlin's going to try to play football again. That's an unbelievable story. But now, the focus for however long, they don't get this resolved during minicamp, there's going to be talk. Every time you turn on SportsCenter, every time you turn on NFL Network, you're going to see something about Stephon Diggs. And every word that he says, every tweet's going to be hyper-analyzed. The focus is now on one guy. And knowing how the Bills think about their roster, that cannot sit well with Sean McDermott and the way they've tried to build that thing. The AFC is stacked. We know that. The AFC North, in particular, is stacked. One guy who knows that very well is going to join us right after this. Browns coach Kevin Stefanski going to call into the show. What's this offense going to look like now with a full season of Deshaun Watson? How do they look at everything else that's going on in that division, including Lamar Jackson's extension, the additions that Baltimore's made, obviously the Bengals being in a position to be looked at as a contender. We'll get into all that with Kevin Stefanski right after this. It is Tom Pelissero in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Larry David, you are now the new commissioner of the National Football Really? League. Yes, congratulations. Are you kidding? There you go. Congratulations. This is a dream, okay? <laughs> I quit Curb Your Enthusiasm in a second if this is true. Okay. Okay. So what do you do first as the commissioner of the National Football League, Larry David? Number one, mm-hmm. and I really don't care if people like it or not, mm-hmm. I'm losing the goalpost. <laughs> what? <laughs> why, why are there goalposts? Okay. Why why are kickers, mm-hmm. okay, who have, they don't have football skills. They, they're not football players. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're wonderful people, mm-hmm. but they're not football players. Why why, ha, why are they kicking a ball through goalposts to decide games? <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's a, first of all, goalposts are a relic from the old English rugby, I think. Okay. You know, when they used to actually run and, and kick a ball through goalposts, but they don't do that in the NFL. There's no need for goalposts. What? Wouldn't the game be better without him? Think about it. Why not just have leaping frogs to decide games? Have a see if a, see if a frog can leap through a, a, a little goalpost that you set up, okay, on the floor. And if the go, if the frog can leap through the goalpost, then, then do that. What? Why kick it through a goalpost? Well, it's not called leaping frog ball. It's yeah. called football so you're saying take the feet out of footballs is that what you're saying Leonard is that what you're saying yes why feet are deciding games and they shouldn't why should one player Mm -hmm. one player with this skill like the guy on the Ravens Mm -hmm. Justin Tucker yeah why should this one player who does nothing but kick a ball Mm -hmm. be deciding games when you have 52 other players Mm -hmm. who are actually playing Mm -hmm. and this one person this 53rd person Mm -hmm. is deciding games it, it makes no sense whatsoever. Tom Pellicero in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Please be joined right now by a guy who's entering his fourth season as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, one of my favorite people within the league. Kevin Stefanski is with us. Kevin, how are things in Berea, man? Things in Berea are great, Tom. We're, uh, we broke camp last week, so all the players and coaches kind of scattered to all corners of the globe and charge up the battery and then get ready to roll uh in july you know we play in that hall of fame game so we get to come in a week early the week ended our off-season program a week early as well see so everybody scatters around when i when i texted you a few days ago about coming on i i thought there was at least a 50 50 chance you're in turks and caicos you're somewhere drinking out of a coconut are you gonna get away or is this is there are a lot of stuff you got to wrap up this week yeah there's a thing called uh kids (laughs) and uh, i got I got three of them, and as I'm sure a lot of people know this, June is the month of every camp you can imagine. Right. So I'm I'm all for if if there's Uber kids, I'm signing up because I, I got the chauffeur hat on this month. Do you, after that, I'll, I'll get away. I'll, I'll maybe not Turks and Caicos, but I'll be I'll be near the ocean uh, for a couple weeks. Do you get to be sports dad? I mean, are you shuttling people to soccer practices and things like that? Oh, one, yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's me. I'm. 
I got the carload of kids. I'm going to baseball camp and basketball camp and, and this camp, and then catching a baseball game tonight uh, with the uh, 11-year-old. So it, nice. it's awesome. I mean, as you know, there's nothing like it. You get to, to put that dad hat on, and I, I stand very, very far away. <laughs> I'm just taking it in. I'm just I'm, I'm trying to just be the, the normal dad, like like you know how it is when you're at those sporting events and just letting the kids compete. Right. So so give me the you had mini camp last week. You've had, I would fairly say, for a lot of different reasons, a more normal off season. I think than a year ago. There's a lot less uncertainty. Give me, give me the state of the Browns entering the 2023 season here. Yeah, I think we're right where we need to be. I was really, really pleased with the guys and how they handled this off season and the off season program. Uh, really, the guys took it head on. We have a new defensive system, new special team system. So there's a lot to learn. And then offensively, as you know, you're constantly evolving. So I was really glad the guys took advantage of the meeting time, the time on the field. And then, like anything else, and you know this, Tom, every year is different. Uh, Every year stands on its own merit. So the uh, getting to know your teammates part of that, the building of your 2023 culture part of that, I think is as important as anything you do in in the spring and summer. So we worked really hard at that. I mean, uh, we have a bunch of new faces in that locker room uh, and just – letting those guys kind of know what we're about, what we've built, and kind of where we envision this thing going. I think that's as important as any X's and O's you do in the spring. I found it fascinating when you when you hired Jim Schwartz to run that defense, you know, because you go back three years, and I think that Jim was at a place, I know he had some other things going on, but you know, there were questions about whether he was going to retire. You know, he kind of left Philadelphia, but then decided to come back and go to go to Tennessee as a senior assistant. Was there... Did you have to do any arm twisting here? Was he running at this opportunity? Just tell me how that, that match came together. Yeah, you know, Coach Schwartz is somebody that I have a ton of respect for, having competed against him over the years. Uh, we have a lot of mutual friends. We didn't know each other well, but a ton of guys that I've worked with, that he's worked with. Uh, Andrew Berry was with uh, Coach Schwartz previously. So uh, just getting to know him through that process, we are very, very similar. Uh, he came up through quality control just like I did. Uh, he's, he's, he's a really just a, he's a hard worker. He, he, he's a no nonsense type of guy. Uh, so I just, I, I, the guy fit a lot of what we do. And then you just talk schematically and what he's been able to accomplish from a four down front in terms of rushing the passer, uh, affecting the quarterback, uh, playing really sound, uh, in the back end. I think he checked a lot of boxes for us. You coming up from you know the quality control spot, like you said, is always one of my favorite parts of like your journey here. I talked to Brad Childers about it years ago, and like how you even ended up in Minnesota at all. I mean, I know that's a long time ago, but do you do you remember those those conversations and how you even got into the NFL for the first time? Oh, without a doubt, and I'll tell you, it's, it's a lot of it is luck. I mean, I've been so lucky and blessed. Uh, to work with some amazing people. But, you know, you mentioned Coach Childress. I, I did an internship in the summer of 2005 with the Eagles. And as a lot of people remember, that was the, the T.O. summer, the uh, sit-ups in, in the driveway summer. Uh, so I was there for that. I was just a fly on the wall, you know, stocking coolers of Gatorade, that type of thing. Uh, and I got to know Coach Childress a little bit. And then that, uh, I guess, January of 06, he got the Vikings job. And my name came across his desk type of thing. And and he hired me to, to work with him for a few years. And then he, he and Leslie Frazier and Mike Zimmer uh, were guys that I got to work under. And, and the, you know, I'm just so fortunate that I was able to, to develop uh, as a coach with them. That's a, that's a, as you know, in our profession, you don't get to stick, stick in one place for very long. But I, I did, and, and I was able to move to quarterbacks and running backs and tight ends. So, but it was just being fortunate to be around some amazing people. It's been quite a reunion of the uh, the guys from that Vikings coaching staff in Arizona. I mean, you, you knew young Jonathan Gannon. Obviously, you had Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator on your staff there in Cleveland. Nick Rollis was like an entry level guy five years ago. He's the D coordinator. I got to imagine you've got you've got a few stories about those guys as young assistants. Uh, without a doubt, and, and you know, I, I I know this when you grind, when you any job any industry when when you get in at that low 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 end of that totem pole. Uh, you better be ready to work, and, and there's not a lot of glory in what you do. You know, people hear that term quality control. Uh, you know, what does it mean? It means everything and, and anything. It means stuffing playbooks back when they used to have paper playbooks, and now everything's on the iPad. But it's all those those menial tasks that, that you're required to do and you put in, in your time. Uh, so the guys you mentioned, uh, I was with Chad O'Shea 
mm-hmm. back in 2006 at the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Chad's our wide receiver coach. He won a bunch of Super Bowls with the Patriots as a wide receiver coach. So it's fun to see young coaches that grind. And, and I think you get, you get paid off for that at the end. Um, but, man, if you're in this profession, um, I don't know if there's a better way to start than really at the bottom. Was Gannon always as as hyper confident as he comes yeah. across now? Yeah. And how did that yeah. how did that work? How did that personality yeah. work in that that type of a role? Oh man, JG is uh, he's one of my favorites. I mean, personality, uh, charisma, energy. Uh, the guy just eats and breathes and lives football. It was really fun for me to have him in Philly the last few years. I'm in his hometown working. He was in my hometown <laughs> working. Um, so it was just a very unique thing, but. I'm real. I'm happy for him out there in Arizona. I think he's going to do great things. But you can't fake that energy. You can't fake it uh, every day. He he brings it every single day. Browns coach Kevin Stefanski is our guest. Tell me about Deshaun Watson. I I, I would. Yeah, I don't even want to say year two because year one was very kind of choppy in terms of all the uncertainty and not playing for eleven games. Just tell me about where he's at you know relative to a year ago and also just in terms of his development as a still pretty young quarterback in this league yeah i'm really pleased with where deshaun is uh, as you can imagine and you mentioned there was a, a lot going on and, and it was at six games last season and you know as a team we were not perfect we, we were up and down i think we went three and three in the games that deshaun played as a player there was some up and down but there were really glimpses of some impressive elite well, i'll call elite quarterback play that we've all seen from him over the course of his career. So I think where he is right now, hard to compare, you know, to a year ago, but I see certainly see a comfort level in what we're doing offensively. I see a guy who's always going to be that, that guy leading from out in front. That's kind of who he is. And, and I, I don't see that wavering one bit. Um, so I'm really, I'm excited about Deshaun. Uh, I think he's really uh, taken the bit in terms of the leadership and he's going to get the guys together this uh, over this break and throw, uh, down there in points unknown. Um, but the, the guy's really taken everything that we've thrown at him, uh, and, and he's worked. Uh, that's something that when we were talking about adding him, I talked to a lot of his former coaches and just the, the work ethic that he has, and, and he is the quintessential gym rat. He loves to get in early. He loves to spend time at his craft. So it's been fun to work with him through this offseason. Deshaun made a comment last week that everything's new with the offense. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to give away all your scheme on June 14th here, Kevin, but uh, is this going to be a substantially different offense than you guys have been running in the past? I think it, it's, it should be in that every year you have to uh, change and adapt and evolve. Uh, I think there's certain things that we've done just in, in our time here in Cleveland uh, that are good and sound and, and we'll continue to do them. I think there's other things that we've explored uh, throughout last year, certainly throughout this offseason, spend a lot of time in the offseason, in the practices, working at, at things that maybe we haven't majored in, if you will. Uh, but at the end of the day, and I've said this many times, there, there's no limit to the amount of football plays. There's no limit to the amount of plays that you can draw up on the board. It's really getting a, a firm grasp of the things that our quarterback likes, that our players uh, uh, know how to operate, that feature our running back, that feature our wide receivers, our tight ends. It's really how do you fit this to our guys? Because, again, could I draw up a 1,000 plays? You could, but what are the 50 plays that you're going to run on Sunday that you're going to feel good about that the team, that the players are going to feel really good about? You mentioned you're playing in the Hall of Fame game this year, so that's obviously a change just to the natural rhythm of, of training camp in the preseason. You're also going to the Greenbrier, which I don't believe you've gone off-site for – training camp probably back since your uh, your days with the Vikings to Mankato what what was the thought process of you know whether it's from a bonding perspective a team perspective of you know taking everybody off-site to uh, West Virginia yeah I think we're, we're fortunate that we get to play in that Hall of Fame game and we get to honor Joe Thomas uh, throughout that week and what that that extra week gave us was a longer runway into the season and I just felt that since we don't go away for camp, since we're in Berea, uh, once we get there for training camp and throughout the season, I thought it was good, could be a good opportunity just to get away. And, uh, you know, going to be away, I think, for eight nights. And the Greenbrier is a place that has hosted teams before. Uh, I just thought with this longer time, let's get away. Let's get out of town. Let's go somewhere where self-service is really, really bad. And let's go practice. And, and you know, just putting people under the same roof, that, that kind of achieves a bunch of team bonding, period, that, in the old days, as you know, camp would go from about 
6.30 a.m. to about 10 p.m. Right. You can't do that anymore within the time frame. So guys are leaving the building at call at 7 or so, and they're going back to their families. Well, now's an opportunity for just eight nights. It's not like it's two months' worth of it, but can we get away uh, together under one roof figuratively uh, and, and come together as a team while you're working, while, while you're really putting in that work? What do you think is Darius Smith so far? Ball of energy, man. Holy cow. <laughs> that dude. First, he walks into the building. I'm, I'm at my desk. I'm working on something. And, and he's stealth, too, because I'm working. And all of a sudden, before I know it, he sneaks up behind me, puts me in a huge bear hug. And I haven't met. I haven't t- talked to him on the phone, but I haven't even met him. <laughs> uh, so he is a big, strong dude. Uh, so you, you, I would say you hear him before you see him, but in this case, I didn't. Uh, but when you're out there at practice, his energy is infectious. Uh, he works hard at it. He's a pro. He's he's been there uh, in big games. He's performed. Uh, so I'm thrilled to have him. I know he elevates our defensive play, but I also think he elevates our locker room in getting a vet that loves this game. I mean, AB's been pretty aggressive trade-wise over the last couple of years. It's a lot of value-type trades. I mean, Zadarius, that that wasn't a whole lot. You know, Elijah Moore, you bring that guy in. Obviously, last year was the, the Amari Cooper trade. Do you feel like, you know, just relative to those first few years, are you closer to this thing looking the way you want it looking, to look in terms of your roster? I think, you know, credit to AB and his crew for constantly looking for those opportunities to add good players. And as you know, there's sometimes good players are available for reason X, Y, or Z, uh, and, and maybe the compensation isn't what you thought it would have to be in a normal uh, circumstance. And adding, like you mentioned, Zedarius and Elijah Moore, these are guys that, that I think fit what we do from a schematics. I know, I know they fit what we do from a schematics. I also know they fit who we are as, as people, as the culture. I mean, adding Amari Cooper a couple of years ago and, and to watch that guy work and watch him perform, my God, <laughs> watching that dude in, in one-on-ones, uh, work, work in his craft versus defensive backs and see it in, in the games. Uh, but Amari also fits who we are. He's a, he, he doesn't say much. He, he's really about that work, um, but he's a pro's pro. So I think AB is going to constantly be looking to add players that fit who we are. But I think I go back, Tom, to this is it's an every year proposition. It's, it's 2023. It's, it's really that's what matters most to us, uh, not so much what has happened in the past or what's going to happen in the future. Well, and the other teams in the division are loading up too. I mean, is there there's some small part of you that was sitting there hoping maybe Lamar would would miss this season? Some small part of you hoping maybe Joe Burrow doesn't show up without a contract? Do you do you have some type of almost a fan level rooting interest, just hoping that maybe there's a little bit of chaos elsewhere, given the uh, the chaos that you've had to go through over the past few years? Nah, I can't go. I can't go there. I, I know this. It's an awesome division. Bunch of great teams. Bunch of great coaches. Uh, we love competing against this division because if you come out of this division, you're battle-tested. It's that good top to bottom. So we're, we're excited about the opportunity. I think we have all, our entire division in the first four weeks of the season, uh, which is a huge opportunity for us. So uh, we'll see everybody early, but just having competed against these teams the last four years, you know every game is going to matter uh, with the last two minutes of the game. Kevin, you're the best, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. Appreciate you, Tom. Talk to you, buddy. All right, man. Enjoy the summer. That is Browns coach Kevin Stefanski joining us. They, they have. I mean, you look at their roster. You look at some of the trades that they've made. The roster seems to be the best it's been in terms of just the talent. I mean, you now have Zadarius Smith opposite Miles Garrett. Obviously, they had Jadevi and Clowney in the past. But Zadarius, when he's on, when he's been healthy, which he was in the second half of last year, he's been a pretty good player. Elijah Moore is a pretty big pickup in terms of the slot. And I am fascinated to see what the offense looks like as you go into 2023. And I thought it was interesting there when I asked Kevin about Deshaun's comment, it wasn't, oh, no, we're just kind of doing the same thing. It was, no, yeah, it is going to look different. When you think of Deshaun Watson at his best, he's not running the stuff they were running with Baker Mayfield. It's going to be a lot more stuff utilizing his mobility, getting him outside the pocket. Maybe there's more zone read and things like that to get him there. It's probably going to be more in the shotgun. And really when the guy, and again, for very valid reasons, is off the field for the first 11 games the last season, it's hard to gather that rhythm. Sean Watson had to play a game in two years. He hadn't played a game. And then he comes out in November and December. And you know, Kevin reiterated something that he told me back in March, which was when they went back through the tape and watched Deshaun once he got back on the field last year, 
there were more glimpses maybe than those of us who weren't watching a lot of Browns games in November and December that they saw on tape, that they saw the flashes of this is what the guy can be. So now get him a full off season. He is bringing the receivers to, what did, what did Kevin say, parts unknown to, uh, <laughs> to throw in the offseason. And, you know, that's the those are the reps. I mean, he's still making up for reps, not just that he lost last year, but over the last three years, since the end of the 2020 yeah. season. He didn't play in 2021, right. barely played in 2022. You know, what can that team be? What can that offense be? I mean, Brockman, I'll ask you this. If you're stacking up quarterbacks right now at their best in the NFL – is Deshaun Watson in your top 10? Where are you putting him? Top 10. Yeah, I like that in the top 10. You look, look the last year he played. 2020, he led the NFL in passing yards. He had a 33-7 and ratio touchdown interception. That's really good. This guy's been a Pro Bowl player. Three straight years, 18, 19, 20. This guy can do it. Remember, they had a, what was the lead on the Chiefs? Like 24 mm-hmm. nothing in the playoff game? Mm-hmm. This is a guy who can win games. We know dating back to college. And when he's at his best, he is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I do believe that. So, and you gave up everything to get him. I mean, that was the biggest trade, just literally the biggest trade in NFL history right. in terms of all the picks and then the contract, the fully guaranteed contract on top of it here. I mean, that's a that's a big bet that Andrew Barry made along with Kevin Stefanski to bring the player in, especially under the circumstances that it was in. And this was the reason, which was once he's back, once you're past the suspension, we think this guy can be probably not even a top 10, the top five type of quarterback. This could be one of the best players in the NFL. It's going to be 28 years old, entering that prime for right. quarterback. So it's now or never. 2017 draft, Mitch Trubisky 2, Mahomes 10, Watson 12, which you rewind, it, it was the consensus. Mitch Trubisky was the safest pick. But obviously, things have worked out pretty well for the Chiefs mm-hmm. after their trade-up to get him. And for Deshaun Watson, drafted by the Texans, now in Cleveland, we will see the full Deshaun Watson on the field during the 2023 season. And that division is tough. Kevin's right on that. It is not easy to get out of the AFC North. Tom, when, when you look at his his three prime years, 18 through 20, uh, you're looking at 12,840 yards passing, mm-hmm. 85 touchdowns, and only 28 picks. Mm-hmm. This guy, you know, when you take away the legal troubles and all that nonsense, I'm sure a lot of people can't, you know, remove that from the equation. But like Chris said, this man played the game at the highest level. So I'm. I, that's why I really when I asked you, is it? inconceivable that that North could have four playoff teams. I know it would be hard, but that division's going to be tough, man. No, it is. And I think that there's an unknown with the Ravens, too. They're also switching offenses. Mm -hmm. You know, you bring in Todd Monken. He's going to do things differently. I'll still believe it when I see it that Lamar is going to run a lot less and throw a lot more because you take away that element of his game. That's the difference-making element. That sets up everything else. The run threat gives you the looks that you need on the back end where you're going to have favorable passing matchups. So I don't think they're taking that completely away from his game. But what does Odell look like? Speaking of people who haven't played in a really long time, how does he come back? They made a $15 million guaranteed bet that he's going to look pretty good. Um, You know, you look at the Steelers. I think it's about Kenny Pickett's health and ability to stay on the field. Everyone you talk to, we had Allen Robinson on on Monday, says really positive things about him. You know that Mike Tomlin is going to have a good plan for that team. And then, of course, the Bengals are the Bengals. Don't really believe Stavansky, though. He doesn't kind of root against, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of hoping maybe there's some Joe Burrow drama. <laughs> Brandon Staley's going to join us an hour, too. Stick around. The Rich Eisen Show.